0: Monday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Welcome, everybody, to a post-game edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Jake, it's it's been a while since we've done one of these. In fact, I don't remember the last time we've done one of these, but great occasion to do so. Did we do, do so. one last year? Man, eh, who knows? Who cares? We, we might have, but it's a it's a great occasion. The Ducks just won an overtime. Troy Terry getting a beautiful feed on a Jamie Drysdale OT winner. The Ducks coming back in style. Ricard Raquel tying it up in the third period. So lots to discuss. We've got a, we've actually got a ton to talk about. We're going to try to get you the most important, the most salient information. Give you our thoughts on the Ducks' latest moves. The Ducks' start of the season. The Ducks are now three games in already. It feels like that happened in a yeah. blink. The Ducks have another game Tuesday night, so it's just rocking and rolling. Yeah. But how are you feeling right now? You must be, you must be on cloud nine a little bit, or or maybe cloud nineteen, perhaps.
1: Yeah, cloud 19, you know? Um, no, I'm I'm real happy. I mean, the the first week's been interesting. I, I think there's obviously been frustrations that we'll, we'll definitely get into at some point in time with the coaching staff that definitely even continued until tonight. And there are obviously big-picture issues with this game. This was not a, a good game for the Ducks tonight. They did not play a good game. They did not deserve to be in this game. This was purely a John Gibson game. But I, I think taking a step back for it being the opening week and just kind of looking at it from an entertainment perspective and wanting performances from players and kind of what I've wanted from this year is to, to see performances from the players that I think could have an impact long term and be fun players. And I think that that's what we saw tonight with Trevor Zegris. even though he may not have had the best game ever, he had a good first two periods and kind of got, uh, shelled a little bit in the, the third period, but he still was trying stuff. And I think that was fun. And then obviously, I mean, what more can you say about the three on three overtime goal by Jamie Drysdale? That was essentially a Troy, Troy Terry doing everything, coming back, back, checking, lifting the stick, making a nice play to exit out of the zone, breaking then basically going out with the puck, entering the zone with speed, drawing in two defenders, doing a nice little toe drag around Johnny Gaudreau to feed Jamie Drysdale. I mean, that right there is exactly why I've been so high on Troy Terry for so long and it's because he's he's such a fun player. And the thing about him is is he may have a rap of being like soft on the puck or whatever people want to say, or because he is a smaller framed guy. He he may not be as good defensively because he hasn't hit, but he's quietly
0: one of the best defensive forwards on the entire team. I mean, he, and, he might, he might be the best. Like yeah. it's, it's between him and maybe two other guys, Yeah, but it, it's it, not, a, it's not a long list.
1: And the fact that basically that entire play gets set up because of a strong defensive play by. Him. Yeah, it, 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 exactly. Uh, not, uh, but that that's a Pavel Datsuk level play. <laughs> All right. Is that easy too much? There, too much easy there. I, I, I I, no, I, to... I, I just said, I, I'm not putting, I'm not putting him on that level. I'm just saying like, it, it's no, that I, style of play right there.
0: What... I, I, I actually tend to agree with you on that. I just know people are going to immediately push back on, on comments like those, but that is, that is the kind of style is a great two way player who also has great offensive skill. I mean, what's, what's, I mean, I think you kind of undersold this play a little bit because Terry makes a great play with the poke check to break up the play with Noah Hannafin cutting in and then <laughs> and then puts the puck between Sean Monahan's skates in the defensive zone, his own defensive zone, which is like a highlight reel move, and then marches down the ice and really cerebral play to keep that puck loaded on his forehand and to really sell that he may still end up shooting this puck and that buys him enough time for Johnny Gaudreau to overcommit. He has to respect that shooting option. And Jamie Drysdale is just wide open. And so he slides it over to him and, and Drysdale bangs it home. Perfect finish. And that wins the game for the ducks. So I think to your point though, on Terry and, and the, the rap that he gets as a defensive player, I think it's because he does a lot of his work with his stick. If you watch if you watch Troy Terry defend, you know, it's a lot of you know stick lifts, it's a lot of poke checks it's a lot of just kind of crafty plays swashbuckling with that stick. You're not going to see him lay the body and get himself out of position and overcommit. And I think that's why for the, for the more old school types, you may not think of him as this, this standout defensive presence, but that's exactly what he is. That's what the metrics say. So yeah, there's your Troy Terry love everybody. We're, we're getting it out of the way here early, but I mean, it's it's absolutely warranted tonight with that play. Yeah, and play him more. I mean, he was one of the lowest forwards
1: for the Ducks in terms of time on ice outside of the guys that were, were injured and Nick DeLaurier. Uh, and so I think mm-hmm. that this play Jones. shows exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Max Jones and Mason McTavish, the two guys that got hurt. I mean, the only players that played less than him at five on five were Max Comtois, Boger, and Nick DeLaurier for the guys that didn't get hurt and had to leave the game. And so uh, he should play more, uh, straight yeah. up, plain and simple. And here's the other thing. Play him on the penalty kill. Yeah. Like that type of play. Like, do you not want someone who can lift a guy's stick and make that puck gets on a stick. If he's on the PK, no, he's not going to try the behind between the legs, uh, play on Monahan there to get it out of the zone. If he's on the PK, he's going to put that off the boards and get it out. But you have to be able to lift the stick to do that. And and so it's, it's such a smart and heady play. And it's something that I, I think it's so important to focus on and why he should be used in more situations when he hasn't been. And so, uh,
0: and and the and the ducks are really married to the idea of playing bo guru on the pe- penalty kill and it's just like you know i well, i just nick delorie why why is nick Delorier out there right yeah ex- exactly <laughs> like it's because those guys look more like penalty killers it's the way that they play that i think just again goes more with that old school mentality um anyway we, we we'll we'll have some chances some more chances to talk about that let's just do a quick recap of the game though yeah go I, for I feel it. like I feel like I've forgotten how to do this. It's been yeah. so long. How many games in
1: a row did we do with this? We did, we did oh, like man. two or three seasons.
0: Oh, it was yeah. a lot. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's quite a few of these in the back pocket. I mean, the biggest news though, and this is actually probably where we should start is the, the news leading up to this game that, that after the ducks disastrous loss on Friday against the Minnesota wild, where they gave up a goal with, what was it? Eight seconds left in the game um, with the, the fourth line out on the ice. Really, just a, a, a terrible effort, I thought, from the Ducks on Friday against Minnesota, just totally outplayed. Um, and, you know, we're kind of lucky to be in that position to take it to overtime late in the game, a little bit like today. And so after that game, I was pretty vocal about this, at least on Twitter, that look, the Ducks and Dallas Akins really, the decision making in that game for Derek Grant and Greg Pattern to be out there in key situations, particularly Derek Grant, to once again lead all ducks forwards in ice time. Like that should never happen. Derek no. Grant is a fourth liner. Even if you think he's a good fourth liner, you will agree, or at least I hope that you would agree that he should not lead the team forwards in ice time. That that's, that's, that's crazy land. And that's exactly what happened. And he was also way up there the game before against Winnipeg. And so, so it, it just didn't, it didn't make sense how Dallas Akins and this coaching staff was utilizing him. And lo and behold, Jake, the next day, the tweet comes out from Elliot Friedman that the Ducks had placed Greg Patteron and Derek Grant on waivers. I almost I almost fell out of my chair when I saw that. I almost just, I, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. It, it, I was so surprised to see that news. I never thought I'd see the day where the Ducks would actually hold Derek Grant accountable for his lack of performance because yeah. I'm assuming that's the only reason they did it. There were no
1: corresponding
0: I mean, moves. We, they, they just put him on waivers. We shouldn't forget, I looked this up when it happened, he was signed
1: to the three-year contract one year ago. It was October of 2020 when he was signed to a three-year contract. One yep. year ago was when the Ducks gave him three years. Like, this is not a new deal. This is, what is not this for, like what Adam. Did remind you of? <laughs> like, the, well, Adam Enrique, at least you could say it was like three or four years, two or three years ago when they gave him that deal because he signed the extension during the season prior to it kicking in. So even in year two, he signed it a year and a half or two years prior. Not mm-hmm. not one year, basically before that, and yeah, I I was basically on my way to brunch for my wife's birthday, and get text from you, and get text from a friend of the show who's in uh, the Twitch chat right now, Tyler Tennell, uh, uh, saying what is happening, and I'm seeing these trying to trying to figure out what why am I getting bombarded with text messages, and had to very quickly try to understand what happened
0: as I was uh, after I parked. Wow. Wow! Just uh, taking time away from your precious brunch to react to the exactly. news. Exactly. Well, it was it was a shock because again, Derek Grant. I mean, he was the most used forward. He's been a mainstay for Dallas Aikens in his entire tenure as a go-to penalty killer, as a matchup center. Even I mean, think about how crazy that sounds when you look at his when his numbers and the fact that the Ducks have been outchanced, outscored, outshot by significant margins with him on the ice. So it it was just a complete shock. But also on the flip side the correct move from the ducks. That's what, yeah. you know, they've, they've talked about accountability. They've talked about veterans and needing to own up to their uh, bad performances. And I mean, that's, that's essentially putting your money where your mouth is because you signed Derek Grant to that contract. And now by putting him on waivers, you're essentially saying we're okay with losing him for absolutely nothing in return. Um, yeah. After having signed that deal. So that's, I was I was impressed well, by the, the boldness you, of that move. You
1: put out the tweet that really was that hit the nail on the head that Dallas Akins played this guy the most minutes out of any ducks forward or Ducks center in the prior game, and then he's put on waivers for anyone to claim for free. And mm. no one took him. Maybe yeah. that shows you something about the thought process of the of Dallas Akins in terms of how he distributes ice time and that maybe having a player that no one else wants for free. Is the guy that you're giving the most minutes to is probably not a good decision long-term and maybe you're missing something
0: here. Well, well, yeah, exactly. It, it's my point that I was making was, well, if, De- if, if what the, if the, if what the pro grant <laughs> crowd says is true, that Derek grant is this excellent, you know, two way force and that he's a matchup guy. Who's a face off ace. Then why did nobody else want him? Not one. Nobody else wanted him. And so I think that that just says everything you need to know. And I don't think it's about his contract. His contract isn't really prohibitive. No, it's 1.5
1: mil. If you wanted to get him and put him back on waivers and he wasn't claimed, he'd get
0: You could bury him and have, it's like 200 K remaining on your cap. It's negligible. Right. And I mean, sure it is early in the season. Maybe teams aren't looking to add centers yet, but look again, if he's that valuable, someone will want him. That is the theory. And I think that the theory was uh, disproven. So, yeah. Then waivers clear on Sunday, as we found out, as you and I were sipping on. Oh, wait, beers. I, I had
1: one. I had one more point that oh, I wanted to make okay. out about Derek Grant. Um, mm-hmm. One kind of prevailing thought that I think both you and I have had on this is this almost felt like the like management taking away one of Dallas Aikens tools. And uh, yeah. maybe the, the the fact that he played the most minutes in that game. I feel like if this hadn't happened Derek Grant would have still been in the lineup and still played significant minutes tonight, and he very well yeah. might be in the lineup again tomorrow because he was not removed from the roster. He's and still in the, the roster. Ducks he had, still could had play
0: injuries tonight. So
1: yeah, it, like if jo- if Jones and Steele can't play, then Grant and or Jones and uh, uh McTavish can't play, then Steele and Grant will be in the lineup tomorrow, which mm-hmm. is fine. Like if he's the the thirteenth forward, fourteenth forward, it's not the end of the world. But I, this almost felt like it was management kind of stepping in and saying, we need to take away this player from you because you yep. clearly don't know how to manage him and manage your roster with him in there. And I, I think that while it's a minor thing and while it's not this big change that's going to help impact the future of the franchise, this is this goes along with what Bob Murray told all the beat writers about starting the rebuild mm-hmm. and kind of that change has to happen. and And that's. What this is, this is a minor thing, but it goes in line with it. It's a finally a step in the right direction, I think, that pushes them towards uh, a rebuild. Understanding wasting a roster spot on Derek Grant is not useful for this team long term. What does he like? Genuinely, what does he
0: do for this team? Help that helps them long term. He kills. He kills penalties. <laughs> and I don't know, like, but if that helps long term. But like, is Derek
1: Grant, is Derek Grant playing better? And neither of us are high on that, uh, are that high on Sam Steele, but is Derek Grant playing better than having Sam Steele play for the long-term outlook of this franchise? Well,
0: that's the thing. You'd at least rather see what, what Steele can do mm-hmm. than just, you yep. would, you already know what Grant's going to be. So yeah, I mean, it, it felt like they were taking Aiken's favorite toy away and saying, nope, you don't get to play with this anymore. <laughs> now. Yep. Well, and, and also I, pattering, I... pattering, pattering, pattering going out allows Mahura to come in. So the pattern thing is, is has actually gotten weirder the more I've thought about it. So Greg pattern hit me, hit me with it. He made the team out of camp. He made the team surprisingly. We thought that, you know, I mean, he he made it over Jacob Larson, you know, Simon Benoit didn't make it. Um, Cody Curran didn't make it. And keep in mind that Greg pattern is a right-handed shot. And the ducks were playing him on the left side on the third pairing. And, Dallas Aikens talked about this today in his media availability. He said that he felt bad for pattern that they basically put him in a bad spot playing on his off wing. And it's like, Hmm, that sounds that this sounds like a similar situation to things we've seen in the past. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I think that that's, that's a fine move by the coach trying to take some of the heat off the player, but pattern looked awful. He looked absolutely terrible against Minnesota. He got burned multiple times off oh, the rush. Oh, he
1: got burned so bad by Bukestad in, in that Minnesota game.
0: So I think waving him, and he actually went down to San Diego. Grant didn't, but waving him is the correct decision. But it begs the question: if Dallas Higgins knew that that was such a tough spot for him, if he knew that playing on the on his off wing was this going to be this challenge for a guy who, by the way, has bounced around a little bit, whose numbers are just. I mean, they're they're not great when you look at what he actually how he impacts play on ice. If you look at the last three years of his career, so if he knew all of that, then why was he on the team? Like, why why was he put in this position in the first place? It's just it's a little baffling. I mean, I don't fully trust that what he said is actually like the whole story. Yeah, it, it's just it just it doesn't well, help the narrative,
1: especially when you have a guy that in Josh Mahura who is someone drafted by this franchise is a guy that you would want to get a look at, get him more NHL experience, and he can potentially maybe become a, a second-pairing defenseman, you would hope, and yeah. is a left-handed shot defenseman, so he's not being played out of position. Like, yeah. this isn't that hard. I, I yeah. just, I don't understand. This, this is an like overarching take with uh with Dallas Akins is... Why does everything have to be made so difficult? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, 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 like you really like got to do these like mental this, gymnastics to like rationalize. Like, not every, like it doesn't have to be difficult. Play your best players the most minutes. Play your worst players the least amount of minutes. Play your defenseman on the right side of the ice. Don't play him on their offsides. Pick your defenseman that's coming up in the lineup and put him and he plays on the side that you need. Like it, these the puzzle pieces fit so easily. You don't need to jam a square peg into a round hole just because you want to. Yeah. Sometimes that square peg is the right right move, even if oh. for whatever reason you trust the the round peg that or the the square whatever whatever the <laughs> analogy that i'm going for at this point i was going to try to make it even further with a with a jagged one that is not oh, great wow. that is wow. has traveled really, seen re- seen a lot of times
0: really flexing your structural engineering background there there you
1: go S- seen seen a lot it, it's seen a lot of things and that's what greg pattern is compared to josh Mahura. so yeah yeah it, it's it's yeah i mean hardcore lucha t- is telling me to stop making sense for real like this isn't hard <laughs> Yeah, like exactly. It really isn't. This isn't rocket science. And I don't know why
0: Dallas Aikens has decided to treat it that way. But to management's credit, though, they are clearly wise to what's going on and they are not yeah. allowing it to continue. And the Solomon Ameri- effect, maybe maybe it's Jeff Solomon. You know, we've we've heard Bob Murray say that he likes the way that, you know, because we know Jeff Solomon is a big analytics proponent and we know that. Well, at least that's what we've heard. Like, we don't actually know how he works day-to-day, but that's what we've heard. We have to put some stock in that. And Bob Maria said he likes the way that Solomon communicates it, and that's a big factor for him. And, look, the stats certainly don't paint a bright picture of either Grant or Patteron. And if we are to believe that Solomon uses those and looks at them, then maybe this was like a kind of a test with Grant's like, hey, okay, I am not in favor of this player being high usage, so go ahead and play him as much as you want. See what happens, and then get back to me. And it's like, well, here's the result. And I think now Solomon had a yeah. pretty good, pretty good case. Yeah,
1: um, it, it. Yeah, I do. I think you're kind of spot on there. It. This felt like they gave Dallas Akins the leash to play the guys he wanted to. It feels like for the Money first Ball. two games of the season.
0: It feels like the movie Moneyball, right? Where Billy Bean takes away a player that you know he has that big old tiff with his manager I don't know if you've seen that movie or not but it's been a long time I think I saw it when it came out but I do
1: people not remember will it that know. people depth. have seen
0: Moneyball will, will know yeah. up but yeah so that's what this felt like now to finally bring this back to tonight no pattern no Derek Grant and a very interesting lineup that dare I say it felt close to optimal for for where this ducks team should be um mm-hmm. so you had a first line of Henrique segres Raquel Contois gets Lafteri, McTavish, Lindström, Silverberg, Delorier, Gru, Jones, and then Mahura draws in for Pattern's spot on that third pairing next to Kevin Shattenkirk. And then Gibson and net, which is a big one, by the way, because Gibson suffered an injury in game one against Winnipeg, was ran into by Andrew Kopp. Looked like maybe it may have been his, his knee. Um, there, it's funny because Brian Hayward on the broadcast tonight said a couple times like something about a bruise, and I don't know if he – if he meant to say that or if that's what actually happened, but (laughs) clearly some kind of issue with Gibson there. Um, But, and Anthony Stolarz, by the way, looked really good against Minnesota was pretty much the only reason he was pretty much the only reason that the ducks even got to where they did to where they had a chance to go to overtime. Um, And so the ducks getting really strong goaltending to start the season because Gibson was great again tonight. Yeah. And so to, to just kind of fly through this recap here in the first period you know, it felt it felt like the Ducks were. I mean, once again, you know, starting off a little bit on the wrong foot. Um, if you if you look at the stats, the the Flames controlled shot attempts, controlled scoring chances. I mean, they led nine to three at five on five and three to two in high danger. However, the Ducks did get out of that period tied. Um, Cam Fowler got a goal, a nice kind of trailing wrist shot, um, so they managed to get out of that. I guess slightly unscathed. Um, and then from there I thought that the second period was probably this team's worst period of the season. I don't know I don't know how how fair or not that is to say, but they were they were pretty thoroughly outplayed. I mean, if you look at the shot attempts, the Flames led 26 to 18, the scoring chances were 12 to 3 in favor of Calgary, and it just felt like anytime the Ducks had a turnover, the the Flames were just charging back on an odd man rush and the Ducks managed to survive that. I mean, I don't, we shouldn't say survive, but they got out of that relatively unscathed. Um, Elias Lindholm, though, picking up the 2-1 marker on what may be one of the worst shifts I've ever seen from a Ducks line. That fourth line on that goal, getting stuck out there, you know, Gru, Jones, and Delorier. And Delorier, with one of the weakest clearing attempts you'll ever see, just tries to kind of fling it off of the boards, get that backspin on it to get it out of the zone and it just goes absolutely nowhere wrong angle the the flames are able to recover it and they just get it i mean they work it back into the zone ultimately and ends up in the back of the net so that second period but but felix was but, but pretty felix, discouraging I, I was told by the broadcast
1: that uh Darryl sutter was going out of his way to avoid the matchup of the top two lines versus bo- the versus the bo grew line a- avoiding bo
0: grew as the matchup center a- against his top two lines Okay, let's let's have this conversation right now. I I wanna get I wanna get this out of the way. I have a bone to pick. Hashtag pick pick that bone. Pick that bone. Pick that bone. Hashtag Gru hype, as I have uh, as I've dubbed it this season, it it needs to stop. Like Bo Grew I think is a fine prospect. I think that he shows flashes in these game he's shown flashes in these games of the potential to become a solid defensive center. The Ducks haven't exactly put him in a position to succeed by putting him on a line with Derek Grant and Nick DeLaurier. That line, obviously prior to tonight, has been bludgeoned this season at 5-on-5. Five five. Expected goals 4 percentage, 32.37%. So think about that on the flip side, folks. When that line has been out there, the other team is controlling 70% of the on-ice shot quality. Like that, They have just been thoroughly outplayed. And when he's been out there, he's been the, the Ducks' worst forward in terms of allowing on ice shot attempts against. And I don't think that that's all on him, by the way. I think that the way that the staff has used him, they've started him like over 30% of the time in the defensive zone. They have put him with Derek Grant and Nick Delorier. They have this conception of him as this guy who can immediately fill that slot. And they're testing their hypothesis, but the results are just not encouraging. And I don't want to make this about how Bo Grew isn't NHL ready or he's awful or whatever. It's just this particular role It hasn't worked for him, and also they just haven't really set him up to succeed along the way. Now, I also don't think he's looked particularly great. I mean, he's had, like I said, okay moments, but that's really all they've been. Like I haven't seen a ton of skill. I think his skating is, I mean, it's not like a weakness, but it's not really a strength. I think he's a
1: he's a fine fourth line center in the NHL right now. If you put him with guys more defensively responsible fourth liners to go along with him. If for instance he was centering, let's say, Sam Steele and Max Jones, I think that's a perfectly fine and acceptable fourth yep. line. But when yep. you pair him with guys, for instance, like he had been the last two games like Nick Delorier and Derek Grant, who are black holes for for both offense and defense, they're they're absolutely god awful. It's not gonna be successful. And even tonight with I mean, tonight's a little bit of a different story, I think partially due to the fact a that, that we're we in With injuries, but even when it was Delorier grew uh, uh, Jones, the numbers weren't great. And I've had up on the screen, by the way, throughout all of this, kind of the game recaps, both from uh, Money Puck and from Natural Statric So go support them. Great stat sites. Um, But the Jones uh, grew uh, DeLorea. I mean, granted, only in 425, they had no or they had yeah, no expected goals for Point, granted, not a lot of expected goals against in .09, but still, absolutely zero expected goals for one shot attempt for and six against. So, mm-hmm. not exactly a pretty outcome uh, for that line. And, and so, it's just not a good look right now. And I, I think that if you're going to do this to him and, and play him on the fourth line... You need to give him support players that can really help him, not put him with guys who are essentially just poor defensively. And it just comes down to essentially the the way, the thought process of the coaching staff. And, mm-hmm. and we, we've we talked about this in depth at various points in time, honestly, about um, essentially that Derek Grant, just because he's kind of a bigger body and he hasn't really even hit that much, but and just because he's good at face-off no. doesn't mean he's good defensively. Just because Nick DeLaurier skates around a bunch and hits guys doesn't mean he's good defensively. You yeah. could even argue with Nick DeLaurier, he's worse defensively because of that because you can't hit a guy if you don't if you have the puck. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so you need to give him support. And so you're, I think you're spot on with he's being put in a position to fail.
0: Yeah, and, and that's why I don't... It, it's weird because on one hand, I think that the coaching staff's view of what Gru is or what he could be, it might not be wrong. Like he may actually be as good as they think, as good as this franchise has advertised. Because oh boy, have they advertised it at every opportunity during the season on the broadcasts and in their comments. But the problem with that is it's overshadowed by their by their completely inaccurate ass- assessments of Grant and Deloria. So you know what I forgot we, about we, till we, right we, now. I keep going. I sorry. Just, just to round that out, I was just yeah, yeah. saying we might not even know anything about Gru so far, like just beyond the eye test, because I don't know how much stock we can put in these numbers, but I will also say the numbers are the numbers. Like it, it's the same thing with Drysdale last year. It's like, yeah, we have this idea of this player and he may be great, but the facts are the facts and they're just not super encouraging. It's a small sample. We don't want to go overboard with it, but there's been a lot of hype around grew. And I think it's important to point out like what the just totally unbiased data points have to say. You were yeah. saying.
1: So I've been messing around as you've been talking on the screen, you know, distracting people as you're talking with uh, the RAPM charts uh, from yeah. Evolving Hockey. Oh, yeah. um, and I forgot that Derek Grant breaks the axis negatively. Yeah. Yeah. He does. <laughs> in yes, he in does. shot attempts against. I forgot that he was that bad where you have to change the Y axis and standard deviations to four to be able to see just how bad Derek Grant is. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Says it He's all, been that it? bad at, ble- at bleeding center, shot attempts against. Yeah. Matchup center. But, uh, so, <laughs> okay. yeah, getting getting back to how we got to this point, um, talking about the, the matchup. And so we we had just gotten through the, what would have been the second goal for, yep.
0: for the Calgary Flames. Yep. So now bringing it back, let's just finish out this recap. Because this is, I think, now the fun part begins, I would say. Yes. I still don't think that the Ducks had a strong third period. I thought that they looked a little sharper. Overall, I, I thought that there was a little more glimmer of offense in this period, at least from an eye test perspective. The Ducks still got badly outshot, attempted eighteen to nine. Same thing out outscoring chance. I don't know if that's a word. Um, they picked up their most scoring chances of the game in that period, though, with five, um, and you know managed to muster a little more offense than they had showed up to that point. And really, it's it's the fact that they managed to survive. They killed some penalties. Bo Grew being out there with Isaac Lindstrom, and I thought they looked okay. It was interesting because the Ducks' uh, penalty kill was so passive. Like, they were just allowing, Oh, it was really passive. They were allowing Calgary to work, and you could almost see the wheels turn their head, like, mid-shift. Like, okay, we should actually start pressing up a bit more. It's funny because that's what Calgary was doing to Anaheim in the first period. The Ducks were struggling on the power play because Calgary was giving them no time or space, and that was actually... At one point, Calgary was outchancing... Anaheim while it was on the power play, which is not really what you want, but on the equalizer. So after Anaheim manages to survive that storm, I got to say where this all starts to me is in the defensive zone, really strong work from Josh Mahura, winning battles down low, making plays, breaking up a, a rush from Calgary, and then just takes a hit to make a play. You know, the, the puck comes to him along the wall, he gets slammed, but he, he manages to just kind of touch it up the ice gets it up to Raquel, and then they just work their way into the offensive zone. Henrique stops up as he crosses the blue line, dishes it off to Raquel, and just a perfect shot from Raquel. Beautiful release. Like, Ricard Raquel has one of the nicest releases in the NHL. Doesn't mean he's one of the, you know, he's going to score the most goal in the NHL, but just from a stylistic standpoint, he's got a nice shot to, to see. It's just so fluid. It's got that nice, yeah. long, that nice long follow-through. It's, it was great to see. Low blocker, and that would tie the game up with seven minutes left.
1: And, and I think kind of what this period showed from the Ducks is I think they, they allowed more chances against, which, which is kind of shown when you're looking at expected goals with 1.33 uh, expected goals against. But I think even though their expected goal four total wasn't significantly higher than other periods of time, at 0. 0.53 versus 0. 0.54 in the second period. Um, I, I think that they did a good job of getting up on the rush, and that doesn't always reflect in shot attempts with, no. like, Zegers. I mean, Zegers tried to basically fake a between-the-legs pass. How do you feel about
0: that, <laughs> by the way? Because I, I absolutely love it. I had people saying to me, oh, too fancy, should have shot it. I don't care. Who well, cares? Okay, but, but, but take your take your cap entertainment cap off for just half a second. So that play, Trevor Zegers comes in on the wing, and I think he had Contois on the left side, or maybe in Henrique. Either way, it doesn't totally matter. But he goes between the legs to fake the passing option to try to get Goudreau to bite. And then then he goes for the pass on his backhand. And I think it actually did work. I think he got Goudreau to go down, but then he just, he just failed to execute the pass after that. So <laughs> I, I think that people always want to see a shot there if it doesn't work out because they assume that a shot... As long, even if it goes in the goalie's chest and has absolutely no chance of going in, that that's a better outcome. I think Trevor Zegers having the confidence to make yeah. the play that, that he thought was going to have the highest chance of success, like that—that's what you want to see out of him. You don't want to take that out of his game. Here's the
1: thing: it depends on the player, and depends on the situation, it depends on a lot of things. I, I think with it being Trevor Zegers, first off, sports or entertainment. Like that—that that is first and foremost here in terms of. Uh, understanding my opinion on this situation, sports or entertainment, players out there having fun, doing things like this, both successfully and unsuccessfully, is better for the game than it is hurtful for the game. Zeger's trying a Michigan goal again, or yeah. Michigan attempt again, There's and period. almost scoring is better for is better for hockey than not because one day he's gonna score. What if he if he scores on or he's sets up this you goal? Twice now. He may have no, may but be if he if. Yeah. If he sets up this goal right here with the between the legs fake, and it, it, like that's on the highlight reel, and people kids are going to be trying that. This is the stuff that Patrick Kane does. This is the stuff that that people do for highlight reels that are just insane that live it live on. And granted, you have to execute them at a certain point in time. But with, with that being said, it's entertainment, so why not if you can do it? And I think it depends on the player. Like if that was Max Comtois, I would say just shoot it because this is an issue that I mean maybe if we just want to kind of dive into other players as we're uh, going through this game, Max Comtois had an issue where he has not been shooting the puck enough this season. No. He 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 hasn't, and that was a big concern coming off of last season where if you looked at his numbers, he did not shoot the puck a significant amount last season, and a lot of his success was derived from uh, a high shooting percentage, from being in good spots, getting set up by Trevor Zegers, a lot of things like that that aren't necessarily completely – yeah, but I don't know if he's like a 20-some-odd percent finisher no. throughout the course of an two <laughs> I mean, game season. no one really is. And, <laughs> no, and so my my thing in the off season for him was he was going to need to uh, up his shooting volume, and the issue is he's passing up golden opportunities to shoot. And so with a guy like Comtois, where that's where he's going to make his money is shooting the puck, I would be concerned with him uh, trying to make a, a pass as compared to shoot. Trevor Zegers, on the other hand, is a guy that's going to set up plenty of goals for other people. I'm completely fine with it, and so maybe you could say it's a double standard I'm having here. And
0: sure, I like fine that I All am. Different, different players, different skill sets, different, yeah. different strengths and weaknesses. And I think to round out on Zegris, that's that's his bread and butter. He is a born playmaker. Deception, that's, deception, deception. that's, what he, that, that's his elite game breaking skill. Like, there's nothing wrong with him leaning into that. Um, we know he has a great shot too, but I think that that's ultimately what's going to allow him to be a difference maker in the NHL is his passing ability. Like, Max Comtois
1: at five on five had three shot attempts tonight. And now granted two of them were in high danger spots, which allowed him to though. lead the team in a lead him or lead the team in an individual expected goals.
0: But I mean, it's three shot attempts is too low. What's up. It's got to go up. He's got to shoot more. Yeah, and, he, yeah, and he's yeah. had, the, I think the worst thing, I mean, okay, let, let's, let's save that for later. Let, let's get through this. Okay, game. fine. Also, good side,
1: side note on this game as we're gonna keep going. Trevor Zegers had seven shot attempts in this game. Eight, eight at in eight? all
0: situations. Yeah. Oh,
1: all, okay, yeah. Five on five, yeah. he had seven shot attempts. Like he was not afraid to shoot one. the puck tonight.
0: No, he was. It had to because no, it had to. Yeah, I think it did. Well, because he was t- he was taking shots from bad angles. He was he was taking shots that maybe you know didn't have the highest chance of success, but he was getting pucks on net, and it's kind of funny that. Yeah, I know that people are frustrated he didn't shoot there. I think he could have scored if he had shot. But it's it's the fact that the, people are kind of overlooking that he played a, a pretty s- solid game. Like just from that kind of old school perspective of hey, get shots on net, get pucks in deep. He was doing he was breaking up plays down low defensively. I actually really liked his two way effort tonight, and just kind of the the yeah. basics of his game were solid. And well, I think that's what gives him the confidence to try crazy stuff because he's and by the way those moves like the the between the legs the michigan that's actually not crazy stuff to him that's stuff that he knows he can pull off so i think when people see a guy like like that trying it they think oh he's he's way out of pocket you know this is just too crazy too fancy for a guy like him that may actually be a high success rate play so don't just write it off because it's not something you see other guys do um yeah and exactly well, there's, and there's my i rant. mean
1: le- le- like you said on the on Ziger shooting the puck, seven shot attempts, four at five at five on five. The next closest duck at five on five. There were a bunch of them had three. Yeah. So he had four shot attempts more than the closest guy, and so that goes to show you just uh, how much he was looking to shoot the puck tonight and, and get the pucks on. You know on who was shooting the puck a lot
0: tonight? Uh, Brian Getzlaff. Who, yeah. who who may actually fulfill the 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 promise this season of shooting more. I think he may yeah. actually do it because he's been firing pucks on net. Um. So. Anyway, let, let, let's finish this recap, though, and then we'll – I think we may have to take a break. Um, yes. But, yeah, so, I mean, the Ducks tie it up, and they, once again, I would call it hanging on uh, to, to get to overtime. Um, I think one thing that I know infuriated you is that with 8.3 seconds left – Oh, God, yes. Offensive zone draw – or no, 18.3 seconds. Um, the Ducks have a chance to win the game, really. I mean, they have a chance to to win the draw and try to get a chance – they put out the third line, essentially, with, I think, two centers. They put out Gru, Lundestrom, they put out Gru, Lundestrom and Silverberg. Silverberg. Yeah, and you have issues with that decision. Here's my
1: issues. The logic that they would give would be, we just lost a game in the final 10 seconds. We don't want that to happen again, blah, 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 blah. blah. Here's the issue with that. If this was a defensive zone draw, sure, I get it. Do that, mitigate the risk, do whatever you need to do. You have an offensive zone drop. Put out your best offensive players. Give yourself a chance to win the game in regulation. This is a divisional opponent. If you really do want, as a coaching staff, because none of the management has said uh, about the rebuild, but that's a that's a management decision, not a coaching decision. Coaches are going to try to win every game. Yep. And so, if you're really trying to win every game, put out Zgris. Put out Raquel. Put out Getzloff if you want. Put out, ter- like, put out the, your skilled players. Put out, th- put out the guys that can score a goal. Like, Lundestrom, Gru, Silverberg is, getting, uh, is putting them out there to play for three-on-three three overtime. Now, granted, they got two points. But this it, is the situation. It's, it ju- it's a very risk-averse move. It's a very risk-averse move. And the fact that you're playing, like I said, a divisional opponent if you really do think that maybe you have a chance, which I, you and I both agree is not actually the case, but maybe you have a chance of, of getting the third spot, getting, pushing for that two points where they can't get one is the way to go here. And and so instead of you getting two points and Calgary getting none, Calgary got one point. So it's a one point difference. Like this is not going to like make or break the season for either of these teams. And so it's the accumulation of these decisions. And at the end of the day, the impact of that decision is not huge. Like, that's not going to necessarily – I don't think that with 30 seconds left, offensive zone draw the Ducks. were going to allow him to come down and score. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think the Ducks would have scored either if they put out those players. But it's more so the mentality and the philo- or philosophical uh, issues that I have with the coaching staff and that they're trying to not lose games instead
0: of trying to win games. Yeah, I mean, I can understand it. I mean, I understand it, and I think you do too, which is that they yeah. just lost in the dying seconds of last game. And they just didn't want that to happen again. I do think, though, that yeah, it's a little too risk averse, um, and also, I, I, I mean, yeah, I agree with anything you said. I don't think we need to, to totally belabor that. Um, but I don't, I don't have a huge issue with it. I see it more as like suboptimal. It's, it's not a critical failure.
1: Yeah, um, it, like I mean, he, here's the thing. There's only one of. they didn't put DeLore out there, I guess, if if you want to say they could have had a worse option out there if they would have replaced
0: Silverberg with DeLore, but that is one player difference. Yeah, and how much better is Gru than so, DeLore right now? We don't know. So True. Yeah. I, I yeah. And but anyway, so Ducks they get through those eighteen seconds. They they don't botch it again like they did against Minnesota on Friday. And then to overtime we go, Ducks. I mean, really, for the most of that overtime, they controlled the play. They they had the puck on their stick, and we we talked about it off the top. But the great defensive work by Terry to get it out of the zone with a highlight reel move gets it all the way down across the ice to Drysdale, slams it home. And by the way, Drysdale in his post game comments said that the first thing he said to to Terry after the score was, "That's all you, that's all you." So pretty cool. Drysdale seems like a really good guy. Um, yeah, yeah. Just a feel good win. I mean, I know that. We have our quibbles with it, with how the how this went for them, yeah. the suboptimal decisions. But I think big picture, rebuild, l- long-term outlook for this team, there were still positives that occurred. I mean, yes. you talked about Terry and his contributions. Jamie Drysdale getting the game-winning overtime goal is no small feat. Trevor Zegers looking strong. Ricard Raquel. John Gibbs. And, we, I mean, we haven't Ra- talked about – oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to say Raquel has two goals in three games. And, I mean, if you want to talk rebuild, like, that's not going to hurt his trade value. I mean the the one the one thing that's a little disheartening is Mason McTavish getting hurt, and I mean he missed a good chunk of training camp because of an ankle injury. We don't know yet what he actually injured. Maybe he reaggravated it, but that's not super super um, heartening. I guess uh, Cam Fowler, by the way, I thought even though his numbers weren't super pretty. I, thought I mean, he he, he was one he of the best really forwards good. from
1: a numbers perspective. You mean, you mean he was defense, one of the best defensemen? or one of the best defensemen? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. He looked really. I, I, I meant to say him that.
0: Talking up, he he looked so smooth. He looked so in control. A lot of guys had poor numbers tonight, but I feel like it was kind of a t- team wide ailment. Um, Ryan Getzlaf looked looked awesome as well. But yeah, you were gonna say John Gibson looked. I was gonna team. say we
1: we've kind of uh, we somehow have gone through this entire game talking about everyone except for John Gibson, who quiet I guess quietly maybe not so quietly has had an excellent start to the season. I mean that's kind of the norm for him I guess at this point in time. But yeah. I mean he had a 1.63 GSAX in this game, 2.56 GSAX in the first game. So uh, if my math is correct, that's gonna be what around a four GSAX. Yeah, over the the course of the first two
0: games, I mean, he looked, um, he looked excellent against Winnipeg. Um, yeah, I thought he was a big reason why they won that game as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's look, that's what you want to see from John Gibson. I I would assume Stolars will be in net tomorrow night or Tuesday night by the time you're listening who knows um, for the back-to-back but maybe you maybe you give a ride the yeah and,
1: hand. and so john gibson excellent time. i mean at the end of the day he's the only reason uh why he was in this why they were in this game yeah if they like i think anthony stolars was at excellent in the in the game on friday i think if he's playing in this game this game is not a
0: ducks win though huh interesting i thought that so i actually think that stolars may have had I think the, the the quality of chances he faced may have actually been more challenging against Minnesota. I think it chance. was the 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 thing tonight was the quantity of chances. Yeah, th- that's the thing is tonight. Well, I mean, I think didn't the I think the Wild had over forty shots as well. Did they? I maybe, I miss, maybe, maybe I missed Maybe I'm misremembering. Started. But the thing is, tonight though, it was a different challenge because there were a lot of bodies around the Anaheim net. There were a lot of scrambles. And even though those may not look as challenging as, say, like a two-on-one save, like the ones that Stolars was making on Friday, those are still really tough because as a goalie, you're having to to stay calm in your net and find the puck in a crowd. So, I mean, both goalies were excellent. Um, and uh, that is yeah, for, positive-
1: 43 shot attempts against for uh, – uh, or shot, shots on goal against for Stolars against the Wild, 74 yeah. shot attempts against – uh, for tonight, yeah. it was uh, 43 and 75. XG was 3.63 for Calgary, 3.49 for Minnesota.
0: Yeah, I mean the Ducks have played some good offensive teams so far. That's one. Thing That's true. One out. <laughs> that and there, it's not going to get any easier tomorrow nope. night. Nope, uh, it's going to get significantly harder, actually. Um, yeah.
1: So yeah. we need to get a word in from our sponsor, though, before we continue as we're we're chugging along on this podcast. So yep. uh, we'll wrap up this game afterwards and get in some more topics and then eventually some questions. So before we do that, this podcast is brought to you by Mac. Weldon one of our favorites so you're a busy guy or girl uh so stop thinking or so stop thinking about what to wear and just embrace the radically efficient Mack Weldon daily wear system the daily wear system is a selection of clothes rooted in smart design made with performance fabrics and built to work together from breathable t-shirts and polos to stylus button up uh button ups and shorts and underwear and beyond uh Mack Weldon makes it easy for you to dress for work leisure and play or wherever your summer is takes you so felix what are some of your favorite mac weldon uh gear because they they've been ha- they've been kind enough to send us some stuff over the what is it over a year now i think that yeah. they've been a sponsor of this show tell us about some of your favorite products maybe some that we haven't talked about because um just to peel the curtain back felix and i hung out yesterday at a, at a yep. brewery for a lot of the the day yep. and
0: felix was rocking some mac weldon gear while we were I there was. i actually was um I was wearing I was wearing Macwalden swim trunks. And yeah, you heard that right. I was wearing swim trucks out in public in a brewery, and that's because the Walden swim trunks, first off, they just look very cool. I have the succulent frond color, which is like kind of a green, greenish color, kind of tropical vibes. I thought I thought it worked for that day. Super comfortable. I live by the beach and I go swimming fairly regularly, although not as much now with this stupid oil spill, but they're super comfortable, super lightweight and you can wear them out and about and honestly it it won't it might not click with people that they're swim trunks cuz they they just look that cool but you know the weather is starting to cool down a little bit especially at night and i got to say i mean the bread and butter is always going to be the a pant for me oh, um, the just best so comfortable um, not too hot which is not always the case with sweatpants they're breathable and i just love wearing them i've worked out in them i go on walks in them i just and I'm the, I'm the usual just desk person in them. It just, they work really well. And I can't really recommend this brand enough. Um, just super, super comfortable for those. They're like me. They're still working from home. Uh, they're, they're a very good blend of feeling like, Hey, I put on some clothes today, but also not going full bore formal either.
1: Yeah, the, the ace sweatpant, I I think it's the bread and butter. It's something I, I the thing I always go back to. Owning multiple pairs now. Um the ace sweatshirt also very nice. Basically any sort of loungewear around the house, Mac Weldon has you covered. And here's the nice thing. All that loungewear looks nice enough where you can go out with it. i yep. basically on a cold on a cold morning, I'll throw on my ace sweatpants and they're kind of they're slimmer in a way and they, they look nice where I can go out. I can go on a walk, get some coffee, drive to a coffee shop. It's fantastic. I, I can't recommend it enough. Yep. So buy some time this summer or now as we're in fall and heading into winter with the Mack Weldon Daily Wear System. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash CTP and enter promo code CTP. That's MacWeldon.com slash CTP promo code CTP for 20% off. Mac Weldon,
0: radically efficient wardrobing. Yep, and also their underwear. I mean, they're very yes. comfortable. Yes. <laughs> yes. There you go. All right, folks. So, I don't have a ton more to go over with this game. I think that we we pretty much covered it. I will Here's one thing I want to get your thoughts on, though. So, Mason McCavish yeah. got hurt tonight. Did not return. Mm-hmm. I mean, he barely played what are i mean he scored a goal in his first game it was a, it was an extremely feel good moment especially because it almost got taken away yeah what is your assessment of him through i guess two and a half games whatever you want to call it um i think my assessment is he looks like he belongs in the
1: NHL now granted it's early it's three games and so that can quickly change um but he seems like he's the type of skater at 18 years old that from a development perspective should be in the NHL because I'm not sure what there is for him to gain at the CHL level. Like what is he going to gain from playing against 16 to 20 year olds where he's bigger than all of them, more skilled than all of them. And is just going to put up a boatload of points. Like, I'm not sure if he gains more from that than playing, I don't know, 12 to 15 minutes a night being given opportunities. And so I, I think that maybe don't expect him to have a breakout offensive season. Like I don't think the offense is going to be there. Like he showed in that first game, having a two point night, but he seems solid enough where in a third line depth kind of role, he can be successful. And I mean, if you look at the line of him, uh, McTavish Lundstrom, Silverberg, Per Money Puck, they're at 58.3 expected goals for so far on or percentage on the season. So it's not as if they've been bad together. They've actually been pretty good together. And I think that that line works well as a whole because I mean, we talked about it, what was it, the final last Monday when we were talking about it, that uh, Lundstrom and Silverberg, are guys that kind of get out in transition. And McTavish, I think, can really support that in a good way and really kind of maybe try to be the finisher, the guy that can drive the net. And I think he almost scored tonight also um, yeah. getting in the front of the net. And, and so – I, I think he's shown that he's belong. Maybe you're nervous about the fact that he got hurt.
0: Um, well, it's, and, just, it's starting to accumulate a little bit, but that could happen. It, anyway. Yeah. so
1: Yeah. Like, like if, if he's in the, if he's in junior, like, sure. The guys are smaller. So maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe, maybe that's the, the logic there for you sending him back, but he's still going to be, have a target on his back in junior, maybe even more so in junior than, yeah. than in the NHL. And, and so I, I think it's the right place for him. I think, I would keep him up the rest of the year. I mean, because of where he's at, I mean, I guess maybe the only other option, if this was available that I would prefer to see over him going back to junior would be going over to Europe and playing like in the SHL or something like that. But I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure it's too, it's hard to get an import player um, over there uh, at this point in time or this late in the game. So that might be tough. I don't know. Because he'd have to yeah. play in the second division. Yeah. So Oh yeah, that's right, also, that's right. Also, so yeah, yeah so I, I think that maybe that's out of the out of the door. I wouldn't think going to the Swiss League would make a lot of sense. So I, I think at the end of the day, if you're looking at all the options available, I think him being in the NHL make them makes the most sense. Like you and I both read that article. There was an article put out, I believe it was a uh, CJ Taturo. Is that who put it out? Mm-hmm. Um uh about some data about development. And the fact that the AHL isn't the best place and that at some point in time, the best players are in the NHL. So if you want to develop, be in the NHL type of deal. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Um, I do think that with him, the game against Minnesota was pretty rough. If you look at the numbers, like his mm-hmm. when he was out there, the Ducks got pretty handily outplayed. But that was a team-wide issue. It wasn't just purely him. So I'm not going to read too much into that. I thought that in game one... He was more effective. He was making plays. He was able to kind of do what he wanted out there. And then game two was a lot more of a challenge. I, quite frankly, didn't really notice him that much in game two, Um, even watching back. Like, it wasn't a standout performance from him. And then tonight, it's unfortunate because I thought he was having his best game so far. Yeah, he looked good. He looked good. He actually had – he he already had two shot attempts in the game, which was more than – which was already more than he had in either of the previous games. And that line was really humming, especially in the first period. Like they were really, they were the only line in the bottom six. So the only line of the two that looked at least competent at times. And then of course, when the injuries started accumulating, everything got jumbled up, but he, he's shown enough to me where I think, I don't know. I don't know if there's a, there's a ton of reason to send him back. I, I will say the one downside to keeping him up is that he's going to have to be on the wing. Ultimately he is a center. I do want to see him as a center. I think that he he's just not touching the puck a lot right now because he's not the one yeah. that's really bringing the puck up ice. And I do think that that's a skill that you want to continue to to hone in on for him. And he's not really able to do that right now. He's not getting the reps, and that is maybe the argument for him to go back to junior because I think he's he is a little stifled right now. It's not to the same degree as Zegers. I think he's more effective as a winger than Zegers was. But I I do wish to I wish he was he would have a chance to play at center because at a certain point you got to get him those reps. You got to get him the ability to, to touch the puck a lot and to, and to be the one making plays. And it might, it just might not happen if he stays up with the big club all all year. And I wonder long-term, is that going to hurt his offensive ceiling that he's just not getting these chances to be the the primary playmaker? Maybe he evolves just from the wing that his skill is just that overwhelming, but I'm not really seeing it so far, but it's, extremely early
1: (laughs) yeah i mean one of the things with mctavish has been that everyone said he has such a good shot and is good in transition so those are things that can be valuable from the wing i I think at the end of the day i I kind of lean towards where you're at is i would rather see him at center because that's the long-term position you want him at i would prefer to see him at center than having Bo grew on the Bo grew playing on the
0: team at center. Well, like, might go back down at some point. So yeah, there is, well, maybe true. In there. yeah. True.
1: But it's like, you don't necessarily have to like, I mean, let's be real. Be real here. The fourth line for the ducks right now should not be a matchup line. Like the, <laughs> as much as the broadcast crew says it, as much as all that stuff in reality, they're not, they're, well, they're just did not there. You mentioned
0: that the, the Hayward con from tonight. Yeah, I did. Yeah, okay, I, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 I talked about it right after you said the Bo grew uh, the goal that against
0: was, that was golden. Yeah,
1: yeah it was. Um, but you can use a fourth line and have it be where your younger players are at, mm-hmm. and and play them in lower minute, lower uh, minutes against uh, easier competition. And you could have that be a line of McTavish, Steele, and Jones. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yeah. like, is that so bad having
0: McTavish, Steele, and Jones as your fourth line with McTavish centering them? Oh. Well, because again, it, they're more like individ- Like you look at young players in a way as like individual stocks, and you just want to see how they will fare over the course of the season for good or for bad. You want to find out what you have in these players, and mm-hmm. you're just not getting any long term value from those veteran guys as much yeah. as uh, as much as we're being fed uh, a different story. Okay, yeah. here here's something. This is this is the last thing I want to ask you about before maybe we get into questions, unless you have okay. something else. Uh, I think just maybe briefly uh,
1: saying so. Yeah, the the scores for the games: Ducks beat the Jets. Uh, oh, we probably well, well, no, should actually. No, so, so, I have a topic for you. Okay, like I have sorry, go I want ahead. To ask you about. Do go for you it,
0: buy, then. Do you buy or sell the narrative that the Ducks' power play is just
1: rejuvenated? I'm, ha- I'm happy you brought this up because I was legitimately just about to bring up the fact that we probably should talk about the
0: power play. No, yeah, that, um, that's where I, that's where I've been. I've been itching to ask you about this because this has been a narrative now that's that's going strong. Is that the Ducks' power play is reinvigorated? They they interviewed Jeff Ward before the game asking about that. So do you think it's actually that the Ducks power play is that much better? Or what do you make of it? So you want some numbers?
1: Because I got some numbers. I do. I do. All right. So so here's for that. And I think the key thing, and we probably should just say this at the top with all of the numbers we're saying. Small sample. It's a small sample size. So we're talking in uh, – this is two games, so this does not include tonight's game. I'm on yeah. Evolving Hockey. Um, so it does not include tonight's game, which granted they scored and they did get some chances, so it may fall in line with this. Well, but can we, the Ducks can we make
0: it... one thing clear though about tonight: they scored yeah. with like maybe two seconds left on the power play, and they were looking awful up to that point. Oh, they, they had even... a couple of them, but they did they did have some chances. So here
1: are the numbers: um, last season for the Ducks, um, and I feel like we said this before, it wasn't a good power play, like no doubt, but it wasn't as bad as it it. the results ended up being their expected goals for per 60 ended up at 6.56 expected goals for per 60, which I think was like worse than the league, but not significantly. So, Um, so far this season, they're at 13.24 expected goals for per 60. So they're generating uh, essentially double the amount of expected goals per 60. And just so everyone knows, because it's a rate stat, the, the sample, sure. There's sample size. So as you gain more, of it, it can affect it. And, but they're on the same scale. And so you can do a straight comparison and say, by that rate, the Ducks are doubling their chances on the power play than they were previously. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so natural, so you're looking at evolving hockey.
1: I'm looking at evolving hockey right now.
0: Yeah. So, natural statric has actually their stats updated after tonight's game. And just to give some context from that perspective, the Ducks are top five in all the shot volume metrics. I mean, they're, they're number fourth in the NHL in unblocked shot attempts per 60 at five on four on the power play. And in terms of expected goals, a so different different model from the one Evolving uses, but still sheds a little light. They're sixth now at 9.39, right behind the Maple Leafs. Yeah, so... Yeah, they're, they're, their power play right now has the second most
1: expected goals, four per 60, uh, yeah. per Evolving Hockey's model.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think that... You look at all that, and although I think that it hasn't looked pretty at times, particularly tonight, it does feel like they at least have I hate to use this buzzword, but an identity. Like it looks as though they have an actual plan and or even just a good plan. What I've noticed, so the first unit with Zegris, a lot more passing, a lot more cross-sites movement, and just trying to set up kind of that perfect shot. And then with the second unit, which where you've got Fowler and Shattenkirk. They're just blasting away. They're just getting shot on after shot. And I think that that's good because at least you can get right into your sets as soon the puck drops. Yeah. And so it's worked for them so far. I thought tonight was a little bit of a step back. I know that they scored. I know that they scored, but I really don't think they were looking that good. Yeah. And just just for reference. they are going to have to adjust as these different PK units. Yeah. For reference, the best
1: power play in the league last year from an expected goals four per sixty was the Maple Leafs at eight point eight three yeah. uh, expected goals four per sixty on the power play. So the Ducks are at thirteen right uh, right now. And so also FYI, so the the Ducks uh, power play last year was at six point five six expected goals four per sixty. That was seventeenth in the league. So even though the results weren't there and they weren't finishing the chances, they were generating the shots and the, the quality there. It just wasn't going in. And I think part right. of that has to do with, it was a 50, what was it? 56 game season last year. Is yep. that right? Yep. yep. So, um, so I, I think the results didn't necessarily reflect where they were at, but with that being said, the actual process is better this year and yep. the results are better also as a result. It's, it's, so the thing
0: is, um, I think, it's good to I think see the, yeah, and, and I think that the results could be even better. I think that one of the frustrations with that first unit is that Max Contro just hasn't been good on the power play, and it was very apparent on Friday that he was just, I hate to say this, but it just seemed like he was overthinking out there. He was passing up shot, shooting opportunities. He was trying to create passing lanes when they just weren't there, um, just really forcing the issue and, and really trying to get A play that just wasn't available to him and i think where max caltois at his best for him personally is when he's getting shots on net when he's getting in tight and when he's keeping things rather simple there are some guys that you you don't say that quite the same but with with him i think it's particularly true and they had opportunities to get even better chances the puck would get on his stick they would have a nice little build up and then he would just watch it i mean to for lack of a better word he would just send it uh, to the wrong person or into into coverage right it just wasn't working and tonight you saw even that again he at one point he was getting pressured in the offensive zone on the power play and he just flings it back to, to absolutely no one in the duck zone and john gibson has to come out to play it and he has to come out like way far out because it went diagonally the pass went diagonally so I don't really know what's going on with Max Coltois so far. I don't know. I don't think that this is like, you know, a, a death knell or anything like that. I think he's he's gonna be fine. But it's just, I I wish that they would take a little bit of the playmaking responsibilities out of his hands, at least for yeah. now, because he is he's been a Wait, bit. Of a weak here's link. a question. Here's a question. So the
1: if we're maybe looking to modify the power plays, mm-hmm. let's say, <clears throat> yeah. Would you? So the first unit right now is Zegris, Raquel, Getzloff, Comtois, mm-hmm. and uh, Drysdale. Drysdale, right? Yep. Second I mean, I have, unit. I have the swap. Second for unit. Yeah, second unit is Fowler, Shattenkirk, and it was Terry, uh, Henrique. Henrique, and, and then, then who was the final person?
0: I think Silverberg's been McTav- out there. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that they
1: took McTavish off the unit and put Terry out there instead.
0: Yeah, I, would put, I, I think that was the swap tonight. I would put Henrique in for Contoine in the first unit. I think Henrique, I think Contois can really benefit from watching Henrique work on that unit because I think that he can fill that role of kind of like that bumper who's just making really simple plays, mm-hmm. but keeping plays alive and getting shots when they're there. And then at some point, you work Contois back in, because Henrique, to me, is the archetype that uh, Contois can fill. But for the time being, if you want it to work, if you want to benefit from these great passes that Ryan Getzloff and Trevor Zegers are making, then get a guy out there who can keep the chains moving. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because it feels like all Max Colm is trying to do on that power play is stand in front of the net and put a stick there for Trevor Segrist to bank the puck off, of. which when it works is great, but if the goalie reads it right, it's an in-tight chance that the goalie has a great
0: read on and and has an easy save to make. I I think he's not even doing that right now. I think the problem is he's not doing that. He's trying to be like a playmaker, and he's just not that so yeah 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 no that's fair that's fair yeah Yeah. i i think that's a good swap and i think that gives
1: colin i mean you still have that that second you know yes they they kind of blast the puck but that actually might work well with control
0: to get him confidence because there will be rebounds lying around for him to find a simpler game out there i think it'll be easier for him to keep up just like in terms of Uh, reading the play reading and reacting yeah so yeah there you go that that's kind of i think all i've got on the the season so far i mean do you want to get into questions? I will say that Josh Maher I thought looked good tonight. I think that he's yeah. Be num- numbers weren't numbers weren't great, but I think that's an
1: overall, like you said, team issue more mm-hmm. so than a the than a him issue. I think first game back looked good. Had a nice crisp first pass when needed. Did get hemmed in his own a couple times, which yeah. which led to those bad stats against. But uh, yeah. Um, so, here, I got this question. Christian Charbonneau, who's a good friend of the show, uh, patron in Discord a bunch, had a question, uh, so wanted to get it answered. So he said, uh, pod question, uh, if Solars continues to play at the at a high level, how much more expendable does that make Gibson? Also worth noting, Solars does have some pedigree as a former second-round pick.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that it shouldn't really matter, to be honest with you. I think that John Gibson should be fair game for trades regardless, but Stolar's playing well, just makes that decision all the more easy to make. Um, but I think that for the front office, it might make it easier, but I, I would be totally open to trading Gibson regardless uh, of, of how the, the other goalies playing. Yeah. I
1: I, I I think so. Also. I mean, my thing is that, I mean, yeah, Stolar shouldn't really impact it at all. I mean, Stolar's is 27 yeah. going to be 28 in January He's not exactly someone that you have for your long term plan. Maybe if you you want to make sure that you have someone in place to to play the bulk of the minutes, maybe that makes it easier. But I also think that you could always in the Gibson trade get a goalie back. Uh, you can get like you can get a goalie pretty easily. Look at how easily Colorado was able to get Darcy Kemper. Like yep. it, it's not that hard to find one out there. Honestly, right now, not a high end one, but you can find one to fill that role. So I I don't think Stolar's playing at a high level makes it any different i mean maybe like you said from a management perspective maybe it's easier to communicate that to the fan base saying hey we have this guy that's on fire makes it easier to move gibson and and from a pr from from a pr perspective it's easier i think from an actual roster management perspective it doesn't do
0: anything though i do want to ask you a couple things now that they've come to mind what is your most pleasant surprise of the season so far most
1: pleasant surprise of the season so far. That's a good question. I mean, we're three games in and there are a lot of frustrations with playing time. So that's definitely not it, which we didn't even really get, we we didn't even, we didn't even really get into that. Um, I'm going to go with Silverberg's play. Um, he really looks good out there. He looks like he's kind of found his game again after having a bit of a rough season last year. And a lot of it, as we kind of come to found out was, was due to the hip. And it seems like he's kind of, Found his good. form in the off. Yeah, he's found his form in the offense zone. Last year was good defensively, but the offensive zone was really where he fell off. Which makes sense if you have a hip issue. The a big part of the game is transition now, and if you have a hip injury, that really limits your ability to to get yourself up to speed. Defensively, he's just such a smart player that he's gonna be able to thrive no matter what. But you're able to see what he can do in the offensive zone still, even as he's entering in, or is in his thirties and he's a good player. And I think it's good to see. It's nice to see after the fact that we heard that he had hip injuries for a year and a half, basically, and finally was able to get surgery to fix it. So
0: let's go with that as my pleasant surprise. Okay. Okay. I will, I will stay, I will stay on the veteran train. Uh, and I will go with Ryan gets as a pleasant surprise. Cause I think he's been one of the ducks, very best players so far. I mean, if you don't count the goalies, I think that he you can make a case that he's been their most reliable player so far. And check this out, Jake. He leads all skaters in individual shot attempts per sixty at five on five. The, the Ryan left shooting the puck is happening. I don't know what if you want to make a hashtag out of that, but it's happening. I mean, will will it continue? Will it hold up? I have no clue. But I Get, thought even Getsy Getty Snot Rockets Getzloff, Snot Rockets. There you go. I don't know. Come. I don't know you told that. me to come up with something. I came little, up with something. It's a little grotesque, but yeah, credit to you. But he he has um, – he's looked like he's – I don't want to say turning back the clock, but he's adding dimensions to his game. He looks really solid defensively. And I can already – I'm already seeing people on Twitter or like on radio, radio shows in Canada saying that Will Ryan Getzloff finished the season in Anaheim. And I haven't even thought that far ahead, to be honest with you, but if he keeps playing this well, what, what do you do with him? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a big question. Here's going to be my bold take right now. You know, let, let's do this before we get into the rest of the questions from the Twitch chat. Uh-huh. We'll come to you soon. Mm-hmm. I see the questions coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, best Ducks forward so far this season? Troy Terry. Yeah, you're you're on that train. I don't know F- if I could totally uh, 53% expected goals, 4 percentage tonight um was also the I believe the only Ducks forward above 50% expected goals for percentage uh so far on the season so granted that first game didn't play that much was still very oh. good for the Ducks uh during during that game uh so I'm taking a quick look to be able to give the numbers on that. Yeah, or er, Troy Terry was at 54.24 expected goals for percentage in that first game. This game also well above 50 and the only I believe Ducks forward uh above or fi- er, Max to also at 50.28. Those were the only two Ducks forwards above 50%. So,
0: Troy Terry best Ducks forward playing more. Mhm. And I guess just what's your what's your overall this is something I've been thinking about a little bit. What's your overall assessment of Trevor Zegers so far? Because he doesn't have any points, and that's kind of making um, the rounds a little bit. He doesn't bit. have any points. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he he doesn't have any points. I think the issue that's happened is that he just hasn't been played enough. And, and I think that that's the biggest thing here. And, sure, the the broadcast once again parroted the, the idea of that. Of course he's not going to play. There were so many penalties, except you can – like, it's such a disingenuous argument because we can look at stats at 5-on-5 five five and see that he still didn't play at 5-on-5. Five five. Tonight, he did. And I think tonight, hopefully, this is a sign of things to come. He played significant amount of ice time both at 5-on-5 five five and in all situations at 5-on-5. Five five, he had, let me see, fourteen fifty two which was second on the team for centers behind Ryan Getzloff. So, Getzloff, Zegers, your two top centers for minutes, completely fine. All situations... Uh, 1830, once again, right behind Ryan gets off at 1843. So I I think that tonight's a much better sign, but obviously injuries, lots of things kind of impacting that the previous two games. And especially that first game, he didn't play enough. Like he no. just didn't, and the coaching staff has been treating him with kid's gloves and, and doing what they did early on in the se- early on when he came up on wing and, and not putting him out there for defensive zone draws, doing all the stuff to essentially baby him. And instead, by the end of the season, when he was having his most success uh, with the raw, on the actual ducks and putting up points almost every game, he was doing that because they were just letting him go out and play and playing him the most minutes. And so. I think a part of it is that – I think that's honestly a big, big part of it, and I think we saw tonight, seven-shot attempts, four. If he has that type of night again where he has seven-shot attempts, four, he's going to find the back of the net. Like, that's just going to happen. Like, just from the pure volume of that, he's a guy that should be shooting, I don't know, 10% is where I probably put him at. If he gets another seven-shot attempt, five shots on goal game, he should score a goal, like, at this point in time. And and so – I, I think overall he's been fine. It's three games. He hasn't scored, so what? I, I think maybe the only thing that maybe you would want to look at is is his line making the best use of him? Is having him with Raquel and Henrik a
0: good use of his game? I am, because I am starting uh, to question Henrique on that line a little bit. Yeah,
1: because here's the thing with Trevor Egress and it's it's so obvious when you watch him. He's not a zone control player. That that's not where his game is meant he's, to be. He's, he's not a me- rush player. Yeah. He's he's not meant to have the puck in the corner, curl around, and that type of stuff. with time and space on the power play. It works, but he's a guy that needs to get out into the neutral zone, transitioning into the offensive zone with speed, and that's not Adam Henrique's game. I know and where that's this is not on. Adam Henrique's game. That can be Ricard Raquel's game. Ricard Raquel plays yeah. that type of game. The other duck forward who is fantastic on the rush is Troy Terry, mm-hmm. and we saw. And for some reason, everyone keyed in on the Comtois Zegras aspect of that instead of looking at the Zegris-Terry side of it. I think that that's and, what actually made it work last year. Yeah, and, and so it it's funny to me that that hasn't really been questioned that much, I and mean, that's partially on us for not really keying in on that, but to me, it's its a pretty easy swap. Take out Admin Reek, Throw, Matt, throw Ricard Raquel on the left side or throw Troy Terry on the left side, whichever one you want to do. Have that line that's your rush line. Put Adam and Reek with Colmtois and Getzloff, and that's your cycle line. Like, they're two very distinct lines that do very, two very distinctly different things and can uh, beat you in different ways. And it, it's how you want to build your lineup.
0: Yeah. I, I think that he needs someone the other reason to have Terry on that line is he needs someone that's going to go win puck battles. That's going to go get the puck back when it, when it gets dumped. Terry in was very good in the corners tonight, by the way. Exactly. that, Exactly. that. And I know, and I saw that. And I think that he, you know, it's funny. This is a little bit of a throwback. A guy who would have been really good on the line with, with Zigeris would have been Andre Kasha. If he was still on the team, just a yeah. guy, a guy who's going to be a puck hound. Who's going to just throw the puck on net every opportunity. Who's. And then with Terry specifically, Cerebral enough to, I think, keep up with Zegras and and keep up with those great passes, but but be able to get control back of the puck. I feel like when cool. when they dump it in or when a defenseman dumps it in, they're not a great forechecking line, and that's, I think that that's taking you're leaving money on the table with Zegris if you're not getting him the puck as much as you possibly can, and that's going to be part of his own apprenticeship is is being able to win those battles in the forecheck and not purely relying on getting out and transition getting out on the rush he's going to have to develop that cycle element to his game but i yeah <laughs> i do think i do think that Troy Terry would be kind of like the perfect addition another guy that i think could work would be Jakob Silberg just because he, mm-hmm. he he brings what these things i'm talking about to a lesser degree more so on the forechecking aspect but i think they need a a bit more of a puck hound on that line and i i think Adam Henrique uh, he's just a tricky guy to place, but I think he would Henrik would work better. I think next to Getzloff and uh, and Terry. So yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know. I don't really know what you do there. It's it's a bit of a quagmire either way. But so I think something may have to move on that line. Their numbers have been okay. Like they're playing fine, and maybe our our perception is skewed a little bit because they just haven't scored yet. But they're gonna they there. There may be a little shakeup that has to happen there at some point. Yep. And we're saying that uh, after they were fine tonight. By the way. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's just more so you, you kind of look at the way they played and you're like, I something should change. Something has to, to be modified slightly. I mean, Ricard Raquel scored, but I, there are better ways to optimize this lineup to get more offense out I of think it. The, I, I think mean, the idea uh, is
0: if you want to maximize Trevor
1: Zegers, you may need to it, get someone who can well, work with at, him a little better. At the end of the day, 1.51 1 expected goals for is just not enough. Yeah, like you can, like,
0: do, you well, can do better.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's where where I'm coming from with this. And I mean that. I mean the Ducks just just kind of. And granted, the first game couple the first game didn't have a whole lot of five on five ice time. Almost uh, a full period of special teams play with only thirty nine thirty two at five on five, but they were at one point oh seven expected goals four in that game against the Wild zero point eight nine expected goals four. And then at, against the Flames, 1.51 expect goals for at 5-on-5. Five five. So they've struggled at 5-on-5 five five to create offense. So this is where something has to give, something has to change to be able to create more offense.
0: And so uh, that that's, I think, the biggest thing. So, by the way, uh, update on Mason McTavish, leg injury. And so, so rule the lower body injury. And it just doesn't, I mean, it doesn't sound awesome, just reading some of the comments here, but... It definitely is that it, I mean, we don't know if it's the ankle, but we have it narrowed down to leg injury, which just isn't, uh, isn't awesome news. So hopefully he'll be able to get back into yeah. the lineup, but a bit of a weird start. So, to the season for Mason McTavish.
1: Yeah. So let's start getting in some questions though. So we got a bunch in Twitch. Yep. I've scrolled up, so I'll see them as I'm going, but for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube, youtube.com youtube.com slash crash the where you can like and subscribe to our channel like all the videos there it helps out a bunch comment on the videos if you have something to say i will monitor it so i will see your comments i will respond to it i'll see them don't worry guys or if you're listening on your favorite podcast services the real fun thing is we do this show each and every time at twitch.tv slash crash the where most times we're live at 8 p.m on mon- every monday um except when there's a game and it will be a post game. And for the next two weeks, I will not be here. It will be Felix and CJ. So you'll get to enjoy that. The next two weeks, the production value might fall off a little bit. We'll see. But if you want to
0: run the asylum,
1: yeah, the actual inmates are running the asylum uh, but you can watch all that twitch.tv slash crash spawn where you can help support the show if you have Amazon Prime you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month you do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days you get special emo- emotes in the chat special badges next to your name and you help support the show and you can do that just like and we have a lot right now to get through uh, we have Olaf is berserker resub for 6 months Louis resub for 37 months he said I've been sub for Nick Richie months uh, uh, shout out to uh, to Lewis. Uh, that guy Bob. That guy Bobsky resub for eleven months, saying Terry's kind of good. Darko Theory resub for six months. Terry making Johnny Hockey review his defensive game. Uh, chicken uh, taco salad resub for two months. Uh, uh, Kampafu resub for twenty five months. D Elder time our good friend Dan, Dan Elder resub for nine months. Uh, Play Sanity has subscribed for the first time, and our good friend Science Cat one hundred eight Jess uh, gifted out five subs. Yet again, like clockwork. Nice. Thanks, Jess. Nice. We love you. Um, so, betting five 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 said uh, earlier on, he had a question. He couldn't stick around for the, rest of the game, but do you think the Ducks could slash would flip Stolarz for anything? So, not taking the side of wanting to
0: trade Gibson, but instead, would the Ducks flip Stolarz? I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if if Anthony Stolarz continues to play well, if you do not plan on on trading John Gibson, at least for now if you could flip Anthony Stolars at the deadline, you know, for, I mean, wh- what could you possibly get from like a third round pick? If, if like, what's, what's his maximum yeah. value? Like, if, I don't yeah. think you can get a second rounder, but yeah, if you can turn a guy that you picked up as a UFA into uh, a mid uh, mid round draft pick, like that's, that's good value. And you still have Lucas Dostal in the pipeline and that doesn't completely rule out trading John Gibson down the line either. So yeah, I think that that's, that's might be something they're thinking about. Who knows? <laughs> yep. Yep.
1: Uh let's see. Uh our good friend Bonnie Littergirl said, why did Delorier and Lucic fight
0: was there an impetus for it? So at that point in the game the ducks were getting like that that was when I think they had just gotten scored on, if I'm not mistaken, and they were getting out like that ba- pretty badly. And I think, you know, DeLaurier trying to turn the tide, trying to, you know, fire up the the boys a little bit. And uh I mean, I would assume that that's why. That that's what it seemed to be at the at that point in the game. Yep. And then Raquel's goatee said, and this is, I think, the biggest question for you. I think
1: this might be the toughest question you'll have. Who is the biggest, the best, or the Ducks' biggest addition by subtraction? Derek Grant or Jacob Larson?
0: Ooh, ooh, that is a that is a tough one. But there is an easy way to figure it out. It's Derek Grant, just given the fact of how much. Dallas Aikens has been rolling him out this season. You're, you're cutting down so many minutes that are just totally lost. So I'm going to say Derek Grant. And that's not saying that that's not nothing by the way, because Jacob Larson is equally terrible in his own way. Um, But it's just the fact that Derek (laughs) Grant plays so damn much. Yeah, exactly. Although Jacob Larson still played a lot. Yeah. But look, Derek Grant was like a de facto number one center through, through two games. so uh, yeah
1: true uh M. young said question who from the goals and by the way M young put in our chat earlier if you see anyone in a sam steel 25th anniversary jersey, jersey tomorrow at the oilers game that is him so anyone that, else going there number that,
0: a number 30 Wait, what was his number 34 number 34 think, sam steel something Steele? Ugh, something, gross. something like that 34 wow. I, I, feel uh, bad. Who, who, I feel bad for jamie drysdale <laughs> who from the goals do you think has the best chance
1: of getting called up and sticking with the team and hold the roster spot and I will said and who do you think we
0: see first? Cody Curran, Big Boomie Shot or Jacob Perot? I don't know, man. I'm pretty it, it, it's tough right now on Cody Curran Island. I I don't know if we're ever going to see I don't know if when we're ever going to see wow. Cody Curran make it. Um I have I have I mean I'm still going to hold out hope that he makes it one day. Um I'm trying to be an optimist here. You know the likeliest to get called up, probably Sam Carrick. If I'm perfectly honest. Let's be real. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I I have have the answer for you. It's going to be Derek Grant will get sent down, and that will be
0: him. You think Derek Grant gets sent down? He's going to have to go to waivers again. No, he won't. Really? You get 10 games or 30 days on the roster.
1: Okay, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So once he plays 10 games or is on the roster for 30 days, which I guess this counts as one day so far, two days, I think yeah. it's where where we're at of yeah. of him being on the roster. So yeah, um, I mean, let's see. Young, like us
0: see, likely this young player. I mean, at some point, maybe Volkov will come back up. Yeah, I now. think
1: Volkov Volkov might come back up. I mean, with yeah. these injuries, we'll probably see
0: some somebody recalled. Yeah, I mean, I think Jones is not going to play tomorrow either. So yeah, and yeah. who knows? Oh, we didn't even talk about it. Lindholm also got hurt. I think he did come back though. Oh, he did. Okay, L- I'll, uh, I'll double check while you.
1: Yeah uh ginger wolf said question uh and then i'll take this one reverse retro rumors what do we want to see this time so aren't there rumors that the, it's not going to be this year but they're going to bring it back for next season
0: yeah what do you want to see uh can we just keep the same reverse retro jersey because it was beautiful i mean i kind of want to see something different just because why not more jerseys I guess I don't know. I want original, my original no, but Ducks I want jersey. no, but
1: I want to see that jersey. No, I want to see that jersey in person on the ice, though. That's mm-hmm. the issue: is that we got two games with that jersey, no fans ever in the building to see that jersey. Yeah, like yeah. that's why I am like, just give me the same damn jersey. Let me let me wear my jersey to a game where the Ducks are wearing that jersey.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Like,
1: come on, give at least give me that. At least give okay. me that, and um, let's see. Uh oh, we somehow just got spam in our chat, which is fun. I'll i see that. So, Lynn Lin- Lin- did
0: not play in overtime, by the way. Okay, so. he did
1: not. Oh. Um yeah, so yeah, the Ducks can just put Grant on waivers by the way whenever they want to. He just doesn't require waivers now uh to be sent down until uh basically the 10 games or 30 days has passed. Mhm. And so that's a Oh, I just had double audio. Whoops. Um, all right. So anything else? Cause I have a wrestling question that I'll get to. I'm trying to mod our chat. So I'll let you, you go. Cause we have some spam in the chat right now. It's trying to clean it out.
0: Let, let me go for what do. Is there a question? No, just, figu- just figure, just, just for a second. Out? Yeah. Well, vamp so for a second. Lindholm did not come back. Didn't play in overtime. Uh, and if he cannot play tomorrow, if he's out for the foreseeable future, I mean, we're gonna have to see someone else come back up from San Diego at that point, and I don't know exactly who that's gonna be. Um, There's, you know, in terms of the left left side defenseman, there's gonna be there's quite a few options that the Ducks could go with. Um, I'm assuming Greg Panarin is not one of them now. If the Dallas Aikens uh, reasoning is to be believed, my guess my guess would be that we're gonna see Jacob Larson back. I mean, it makes too much sense. He's you the think? one. Who, I mean, he's been a mainstay in the lineup for the last couple of years. I mean, is, is Axel Anderson going to come? Is Simon. I mean, Sam, Simon Benoit got called up today. Um, so maybe he is the one who draws in tomorrow. I mean, I would assume that that, was, that would be him if uh, if is. I mean, is, Benoit, is per- Benoit's a right hand shot. So maybe not. Oh, isn't he a lefty? I'm pretty sure he's a lefty. God,
1: I. Yeah, you're right. I always make this mistake with uh, Simon Benoit. I don't, it,
0: it legitimately, I feel like I always think he's a right hand shot, but he's a left hand no, shot. He's a lefty. Yeah. So I would assume that Benoit comes in, but if Lindholm is out long-term, who else comes up? That is the bigger question. I'm going to go with Larson. I mean, that's who I'm putting my money on. I don't trust them to ever give Cody Kern a chance at this point. I mean, they could, they could sign Hutton also to a, a contract. They could, but he's not even he's not even with San Diego anymore. So, yeah. Oh, he's not? He left the no, golds? They released him. I... He, he was released from PTO, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that, that kind of flew under the radar. But, I mean, I don't think it'll be Brendan Gooley. I feel like that ship has just totally sailed now. Ooh, I um, actually, no, I'd like to see Brendan Gooley. Well, I mean, you would think that it would make sense to give him a look. Give right? him a shot. Like, at, at some point, you kind of want to find out, see a little more from him. Uh Let's face it, it'll it'll be broken Rafferty despite him being a right-handed shot. You know? He's the, he's the most recent signing. There you go.
1: All right, so we'll end with this Felix, you can you can take a step back. Our good friend, NJ Devils fan 08 always or NJ Devils fan 68 always comes through for me saying thoughts on the Brian versus Suzuki match. The fact that this match, Felix, you should check this out. If you want a match that actually shows the uh, professional wrestling, making it look like a sporting competition as compared to entertainment. That is what this was. It was hard hitting. It was amazing. And the fact that it was just on YouTube was insane. It, if you're at all interested in professional wrestling, go check, go check it out on YouTube, YouTube, uh, AW and inner circle versus American top team fun. I actually like it. American top team. Uh, Dan Lambert's been entertaining for me, Felix. This will actually intrigue you being a UFC fan. They've brought in the American top team and Dan Lambert's cutting promo. And they have Jorge Masvidal. They had, uh, uh, I can't remember his name. One of the like big old heavyweight fighters in a match this past week. It was fun.
0: Okay. Okay. I believe you.
1: Um, junior dos Santos. Okay. There you go. Do you? Yeah. So I mean, it's, yeah, it was a fun time. I don't care. Um,
0: but but good for you. I'm
1: happy for you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. And Paige Van Zant's there. She's not
0: even a UFC fighter anymore. She's in bare knuckle, bare, bare knuckle fighting. Yeah. All right. So, time to wrap this thing up. I believe so. I feel like we could go on for another hour,
1: but you know, it, it is eleven. Oh, we we de- yeah. Didn't didn't we say that we were gonna
0: keep this like forty five minutes? Forty five minute pod. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. But it's we have three games to talk about. It just we could not. I kn- we went from we went went from no games for three months to now three games. Yeah, I know it's a lot to talk about, and I mean it's pretty fun. We don't have to wait that much longer for the next game. The Ducks will be playing uh, Tuesday night against Edmonton, which get a look at the Oilers. And speaking of which, will be a watch along. Will it? Yes. Oh, oh, that's that's news to me. No, it's not. That's news <laughs> it. To should me. not be. It should not be news to you. This is the thing. You have a calendar with all this written down, but that that calendar doesn't get shared with me. Felix, so, look at your look at your Google Calendar. I'm looking pretty terrible right now. Felix,
1: look at your okay. Now, sh- oh do I God. need to open up my Google Calendar and show my me? screen? Are you gonna share your show, screen? show
0: chat? show my share my screen. Let's let's see. Uh, is, uh, you're you're just raking me through the coals now, or over the coals. I'm trying
1: to figure out a way I can do this without showing any of our emails, but you are invited to. Ducks at Edmonton watch-along tomorrow from 6 to 9
0: p.m., Felix. Wow. You're just really- Gmail invite. Google calendar invite. Why are you trying to destroy my credibility?
1: (laughs) Because I actually
0: went ahead and was organized this month. (laughs) Why are you trying to destroy my credibility? Um, Okay. Well, yeah. So we're doing a watch-along. Yeah. Check that out, folks. (laughs) It's happening. Um, Okay let's uh let's let's wrap this thing up i think it's time before some other damning information about my lack of uh conscientiousness comes out here um ways you can support the show if you enjoyed what we did here tonight <laughs> jake is just broken i think i broke jake you did oh okay if you enjoy what we do on this show and you want to support it yeah now yeegs in our chat asking what's in the emails Show the email reveal the emails. Yeah. Just 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 out me. <laughs> okay. it's uh, a bad decision for you. I don't even send you any emails. The only emails I send you are for like our show descriptions. That's good point. Good point. So, I had to make yeah, the G- leak leak the emails for all I care. Wiki leaks me. It, that's not what will get me canceled. Um uh let's uh now I don't know what Jake is doing. He's like gonna grab his cat to bring on the show. Or is that what you're doing? I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to get her attention. Okay. So anyway, here's how you can support our show. If you enjoyed the madness that just occurred for the last hour and a half. Number one (laughs) way is our Patreon, which we already talked about a little bit. Patreon.com slash Crash the Pond. So for a $1 a month, a $1 monthly pledge, you will get access to our patrons only Discord chat, which is a ton of fun. Uh, That one is where we have a bunch of great friends of ours at this point that you can interact with. Diehard Ducks fans just like you, people who just want to talk hockey, want to have a good time, want to maybe engage in the banter. Ooh, there's some food debates in there. It's a lot of fun. It's a great place to talk hockey. It's a great place to just, uh, you know, have a have a good time. You know, it's, being on Twitter all the time, it might not be the most kosher place. Uh, I will definitely vouch for our Discord chat and all the great people in there. Um, now for $5 a month, you get access to that chat. You also get access to two bonus episodes a month and so on those shows we'll go more in depth maybe on league wide topics we'll do rankings we'll do awards predictions we'll we'll do a bunch of different things um of course we may go more in depth on different du- ducks topics as well um and that's two bonus episodes a month so if, and also if you enjoy maybe the lighter side of this show i will say you get a lot more of that it's a little more unfiltered yes on, on the bonus episodes um, unfiltered is a very good way to put it yep and then as, it, fi- as if we're that filtered here We're a little more filtered. I'll I'll give us that. Now for $15 a month, you also, you get access to everything I just mentioned, but you also get access to two bonus, two, sorry, two watch alongs a month. God, I'm just losing it. It's 11 PM folks. Give me a break. Two watch alongs a month. So we will, we will stream a ducks game and you can watch with us. We'll give you our live commentary, our reactions as the game is happening. Give you some more stats, give you maybe a different look than what you might get from a traditional broadcast a little more laid back, they've become really laid back. We, 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 I, I can this.
1: guarantee this. I, I can guarantee this. We won't say that Daryl Sutter's avoiding uh Bo Grew, uh, <laughs> uh, because he's scared of it on our broadcast.
0: Wow, shots fired! Yeah, shots yeah? fired. I, I will say that, yeah, our commentary is more in line with reality, so that's good. Um, but it's also, (laughs) and and you said, I said, shot shots fired. (laughs) There's also a chat during the, during the, the watch along. So it's, it's a link from YouTube private link. And so you can chat with us in there, ask questions if you want, or just throw out anything that you're thinking and we will get to it because it's three hours of airtime. we got to fill. So trust me, we'll talk about it. Um, and so all of that is going to be at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Now there's still some ways you can support us without having to spend any money. Totally get that. Um, you can search for us on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review. And if you leave a review, we will read it on the show. We read one last week. That was a lot of fun. Uh, love when we get inside jokes in these reviews. People show really flex that you're a, a diehard listener of the show. Um, so that's on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to us there. As Jake already mentioned, we do these Twitch streams. That's at twitch.tv slash pond. We're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Jake will upload the video, the actual stream from Twitch to there. So you can see our pretty graphics, our faces, Salem, the black Hat. You can see it all. And that's on YouTube. Make sure you have your notifications turned on there. And also check out our website, crashthepond.com, crashthepondcom slash shop. We have some cool t-shirts with our mm-hmm. beautiful logo, which yeah. I recommend everyone check out. You can hey, also found find one of us- my hockey bag yesterday. Yeah, you just randomly found a T-shirt, which was pretty funny, and then you proceeded to wear it. Which I did. I don't if I found a T-shirt at the bottom of my hockey bag. I don't know if I'd be. No, wearing here's it. the
1: thing. It was in my my hockey bag that I put in my or my bag in my hockey bag that has all of my clean gear in it or clean clothes in it. Oh, okay. So that means it, it came out of the wash. Okay, okay. And was then packed into that bag. So it was somehow with my hockey gear. Got a, packed a, back a up into that bag.
0: Believable cover story. So we'll roll with it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, bagception, but uh, yeah, and so that's so th- I would say check that out. That really helps the show out quite a bit. Find us on Twitter at Crash the Pond. Jake is on Twitter at Reindeer Games ninety one, and I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. And I will give a quick shout out if you, whenever you're listening, I will be on the Locked On Oilers podcast Tuesday, and I'm assuming it goes that same day. Um, so yeah, if get, show them a little support as well. But yeah. Anything else, Jake? Anything else you want to mention before we actually wrap this up? No, uh, just I won't talk to
1: any of you, I guess, yeah. until November. November, wow. so I'll be gone two weeks. So wow. hopefully Felix and CJ can keep this thing afloat while I'm gone. Yeah, I have so, some work to do on my end to make sure things move smoothly. Yeah. He- he- he has to idiot proof the setup of this show i it? actually do have to idiot proof so the podcast next week is not going to look the same i will just say that it's <laughs> probably just going to be the very basic two images and not have any of the logos or anything like that but you know it will, you will all have to make do with that for two weeks maybe i'll find a way to just legitimately right crash the pond and make it the most basic like <laughs> like windows quick or like quick time or whatever basic looking thing for for you you know
0: try I'm to really make it i'm really getting dragged on this show
1: also there might not be any there might not be any of the the typical music before and after the show so sorry guys i'm just getting rigged through the coals that's fine do you, i mean yeah yeah i'm gonna say i don't even want to deal with the fact of having to
0: get you that audio to to get into it so you know <laughs> so that's your fault then it's not my fault um I mean, okay partially Okay. Let's let's actually get out of here. Um, we're over an hour and a half, which is exactly what we were trying to avoid. But you know what? It's fine. I think people are going to enjoy this. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to you next week. And Jake will be back at a later date. November. Bye, everyone.